0: And welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce you now. Dr. Mary T. Neport practiced neonatology in Florida for 30 years and served as a founding medical director for two newborn intensive care units in the Tampa Bay area. Her focus shifted in 2008 when she somewhat famously found a nutritional intervention that supplied ketones as an alternate fuel for the brain for her husband Steve with early onset Alzheimer's disease. Steve responded dramatically to consuming medium-chain triglycerides or MCTs from coconut oil which produce ketones when consumed. She is the author of several books including The Complete Book of Ketones: A Practical Guide to Ketogenic Diets and Ketone Supplements and her latest book, Clearly Keto: For a Healthy Brain, For Healthy Brain Aging and Alzheimer's Prevention, which came out in November of 2022. Dr. Newport is also an international speaker on the subject of ketones as an alternate fuel for the brain with numerous speaking engagements around the world and is a certified ketogenic nutrition specialist, a program offered by the American Nutrition Association. You can find her and a wealth of educational resources on her website at www.coconutketones.com. Dr. Mary Newport, what an absolute honor it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio.
1: Oh, hi, Casey. Thank you so much for having me on your uh, on your radio program.
0: It is so exciting to get to talk to you. You are somebody that I have followed along for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And when I was putting the mm-hmm. introduction together, the, the word I tried to use the most deliberately was somewhat famously. You somewhat famously fed your husband coconut oil, and he improved. And I, I say that because I yeah. think if you've been in the low-carbohydrate space for a while, you probably have come across that story at some point. But still, that story is just not told enough to the general public, and so few mm-hmm. people really understand what's going on with Alzheimer's and the brain. And in fact, I would love to start this discussion by talking about a recent mm-hmm. um, kind of happening <laughs> that happened in the research community mm-hmm. with Alzheimer's research proving to be fraudulent and, and, and basically lots of money and time just absolutely wasted by chasing the wrong thing when they knew they were chasing mm-hmm. the wrong thing. We hosted Amy mm-hmm. Berger on our show who wrote the Alzheimer's Anecdote. And I asked her the same question that I'm going to ask you, which is, were you surprised at all by knowing that that, that research that was done was all fraudulent?
1: Um, I was a little surprised that it it might have been fraudulent, but I was not surprised at uh, the ramifications that that information has had. Um, you know, Because for many years, decades, there have been billions of dollars put into research to try to find drugs that will remove beta amyloid. And it turns out, uh, and there's even other research supporting that the exact opposite may be true. Um, So we can talk about that.
0: Yeah, I would love to. Um, So, so what were they? They 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 knew the amyloid wasn't the actual problem. Is that correct? Do Mm -hmm. I understand that correctly?
1: Um, It it turns out that uh, I think in in the fraudulent research that you're referring to, there were some images that appeared to be photoshopped. They were duplicated. And it had to do with another form of beta amyloid that was thought to be possibly toxic. And it really brought attention, I think, more than anything to this area. Uh, Many researchers that have been involved with beta amyloid said, well, this has no impact because we're talking about a different type of beta amyloid. However, um, there is some other brand new research that just came out that I think will have a much greater impact. It just needs to get greater awareness. And um, this was um, a group at University of Cincinnati, which happens to be my alma mater. That's right. I got to meet one of the authors uh, just earlier this week to talk about all of it. Um, but what they found was, uh, and, and it's already been known that there's a biomarker for people with Alzheimer's. It's in spinal fluid. And um, people with Alzheimer's tend to have lower levels of the soluble beta amyloid 42, which is the one that. Um, Is involved in making the plaques in the brain. And actually, they have low levels of spinal fluid. And what this group did was they they had two studies, one published in 2021 and then another in 2022, that really confirmed this. Is that they looked at how much beta amyloid plaque was documented in the brain on brain imaging. And you can have um, a little bit of plaque if you have Alzheimer's, minimal plaque. You can have uh, very dense plaque in the brain. But the thing is that older people that have normal cognition can also have a lot of beta amyloid plaque in the brain. So one question has been, how is that possible? Well, what this group did was they looked at the um, spinal fluid beta amyloid levels and they broke it down into four groups, low, low, medium, medium, high, and high amounts of plaque in the brain. And then they looked at the spinal fluid levels of soluble beta amyloid. And they found that it didn't matter how much plaque was documented in the brain on this brain imaging, that if you had, um, uh, there was a kind of a cutoff. If you had a certain amount of soluble beta amyloid in your spinal fluid, you were cognitively normal. So it didn't matter how much plaque there was. The plaque apparently has very little to do with it. And um, the same group has put out another paper really looking at the physics of beta amyloid plaque. And they explain why it's not, it would not be directly toxic to neurons and other brain cells um, because of the form that it takes. Um, it's a very all very interesting. And then they also look at the various studies that have been done with drugs that try to remove beta amyloid from the brain. Um, my husband happened to be in one of those studies, and I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. But what they found, these dozens and dozens of drugs that were tested to remove beta amyloid, Either had no improvement in cognition or actually worsened cognition, accelerated Alzheimer's. Wow. And um, so you know they basically have arrived at the conclusion that um, it's uh, soluble levels of soluble beta amyloid, the type that can become plaque, are actually abnormally low in people with Alzheimer's, not high. So wow. trying to remove it may is harmful. This could explain and probably does explain why it is harmful to the brain. So um, it's uh, been, it's a little bit out there in the news Um, that author that I talked to, he said that they have been getting a lot of flack about this. Um, They did have, uh, they had, they had difficulty getting the papers um, published uh, because uh, there were some reviewers that just were adamant that this could not be, it's not possible. Um, One of the reviewers said that he would like to review the data and they provided all the data to this, reviewer and the reviewer confirmed their data that in fact (laughs) soluble levels are low in people with Alzheimer's if they're above a certain level cognition is normal regardless of the plaque so they confirmed it and then they published it Um, and this is um, Storchio is the lead author S-T-U-R-C-H-I-O and Dr. Espa is the head of the group at University of Cincinnati E-S-T-A-Y and so if you look those uh, up on PubMed uh, 2021 and 2022, you'll be able to find those articles. Wow yeah. and then there are others related to that you know by the same authors that uh, on the physics and, and all of that. So very interesting. and um, what happened with my husband was he was sailing along doing really well. He had steadily improved after starting these medium chain triglycerides and he was almost at the two- year mark. But he was in a study and for a while we didn't know, 100, we weren't 100% sure, was it just the coconut or had he gotten a miracle drug? <laughs> um, but we found out that he was on a placebo for 18 months and then he crossed over, it was a crossover study, so we crossed over to the drug and he was on it for probably six weeks and we had a feeling he was on it because his hair started growing out white, which is a really common symptom. Wow. Uh, uh, side effect of this disease he had wounds that wouldn't heal he had like an abrasion on his shin that wouldn't heal for a month uh he would nick himself shaving and it would bleed for three or four days and then he fainted and and um i decided to pull him out of the study and um it was a good thing uh and he did have a setback during that time he st- he had some new alzheimer's symptoms he broke out in a fever blister and that's kind of relevant because beta amyloid is now known to be antimicrobial. It kills numerous types of viruses and microbes. It could be at play in Alzheimer's. Wow. So um, and then we got a call a few months later and they said they had stopped the study because when they analyzed the first 18 months of data, they found that people on the drug had accelerated Alzheimer's. It made them worse. Wow. And and that explained what happened to Steve during just that six weeks that he was taking it. So, wow. um you know, uh, that was uh, very serious. And and that's how these drugs have turned out. Um, There's one out now. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) No, 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 That's okay. I I just, I've heard that a lot, that there's no really good medication that has any positive benefit and tons that have all kinds of different side effects. Right,
1: right. Yeah. There's one called Aduhelm, A-D-U-H-E-L-M, that the FDA approved. uh, I feel it was a little bit over a year ago. They approved for it um, as long as the people were in a clinical trial that uh, they, they said, well, there's no hope for Alzheimer's or no good drugs. So even though it had the tiniest, tiniest little bit of result in one of their three studies, they decided to go ahead with it. And the, the, the worrisome part, though, is that this drug has a huge like 40 percent side effect rate from it. And, and they're not insignificant side effects. There will be swelling in the brain. So uh, you know, abnormal collections of fluid and abnormal collections of iron in the brain. You know, in people that take this drug. So it's not uh, benign, and it also costs something somewhere between. I've read anywhere from thirty-seven to fifty thousand a year. It's an intravenous drug, wow. um, and it, you know, and yet uh, Medicare won't pay for it unless they're in a clinical trial. Um, so it's. Um, and it's only the FDA originally approved it for all people with Alzheimer's. And then they backed off and said people like at the very earliest stages, you know, could take it. So you're going to give it to people who are in early stage of Alzheimer's. And the potential is that you'll accelerate the disease. Wow. Um, that's, you know, that's very scary. So um, I kind of hope that they go back and withdraw that approval you know, for now and really look at this very closely. To decide, are these, is it even worthwhile, you know, moving forward with these drugs? Wow.
2: Um,
1: and the cool thing too, about um, this study, uh, S.A., uh that group, um, Precorian's another one, is that um, the, the reason I made a connection with them is that there was a study at Wake Forest in North Carolina. Um, uh, and it was on... It was comparing in people with cognitive impairment. This was um, subjective cognitive impairment. When you feel that you have memory symptoms and people with mild cognitive impairment that are beginning to test um, abnormal uh, with abnormal scoring on their cognitive studies. They did um, a diet study in which the people received three different six week periods of diet. Um, One was um, the American Heart Association diet, which is a low fat diet. The other is a Mediterranean keto diet, which is a high-fat diet, low-carb. And then, in between the two diets, they um, had a washout period where they were on their their usual everyday diet for six weeks. And you know, they they could be on the diet at the beginning or the end, you know, just to kind of mix it up there, make it a little more blinded. And what they found was uh, when people were on the um, Mediterranean keto diet that they had an increase in their spinal fluid beta amyloid. Um, which correlates with better cognition. Um, So I brought that to their attention. They weren't aware of that study. And so now they are looking at um, um, what they can do, how they can study this further, uh, because um, in their papers, they conclude that uh, some type of drug analog or something should be developed to actually increase beta amyloid, soluble beta amyloid. Um, And if a diet can do it, it'll move along a whole lot faster. Yeah. So now they, I uh, I believe that they'll be moving forward on that.
0: Wow. I sure hope so. We just had, um, Dr. Thomas Seyfried on our show for the second time, not too long ago. And the title of the episode, and then really the topic of our discussion, we talked about fasting. He, he worked with George Cahill way back in the day when he was first getting started. Some very influential fasting studies, which you're very familiar with, but the name of the episode is called treating revenue driving diseases treating like, like, like these, (laughs) these diseases bring revenue into cancer centers and into Alzheimer's centers and all kinds of medical systems. And so how do you treat that with metabolic disease? That's going to make people feel Mm -hmm. better. And you know, Thomas Seyfried, once you get him like a little bit wound Mm -hmm. up about it, he'll just go bananas against it. But it's so sad. It's too bad that, that we're in a system that is designed to generate a lot of money.
1: Right. I agree with that. Both Alzheimer's and, uh, and probably even more so for cancer, chemotherapies are extremely expensive. Yeah. Um, and it's a good thing there's going to be a cap on Medicare <laughs> expenses for prescription drugs now. You know, for oh, seniors wow. because um, I have had friends, you know, people I know on chemotherapies, and and they'll often get hit with just exorbitant co-pays month after month after month for their chemotherapies. You know, many people just can't afford it. They don't get to get treated for their cancer if they can't find a way to pay for it. It's wow. very unfortunate and. Um, diet doesn't really cost very much. And it actually should be reimbursed dietitians should be and physicians, you know, who counsel people on nutrition should be reimbursed for that. But that just doesn't happen. Um, It's really a shame. It is it'd be a great payoff, you know, for Medicare and other insurance companies to look into that. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's really (laughs) too bad. And I'm so excited to have you on to tell your story. Mm -hmm. Um, I've told your story, a hundred times hundreds of times and I, I feel like i it's it's at this point like a game of telephone i, I maybe tell it slightly differently yeah, and it's like yeah. maybe evolved so i'd love to hear the original story um and i'm so yeah. proud too one of my clients who i i, I told my client yesterday that i was going to interview mm-hmm. you and i said hey tomorrow i'm going to interview um mary newport and as soon as i said that mm-hmm. he goes the clocks and i'm like yeah you remember the clocks yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we could talk yeah, yeah. we could talk all about that in the story but just okay. before before we do what is the current mm-hmm. what is the current state of all have we made tons of progress is it worse than ever now in 2022 like what what are we dealing mm-hmm. with today
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah there still have not come forward any new drugs that that um, can claim that they improve cognition in alzheimer's there haven't really been this out of helm you know that we mentioned already is um the uh, first drug in something like 15 years that actually got any fda approval to move forward um, the other drugs um, basically, um, they're uh, inhibitors of um, the enzyme that degrades acetylcholine. Um, related to that, the acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter in the brain that has to do with memory and learning. It's deficient in Alzheimer's. So, the drugs that are approved are aimed to try to increase acetylcholine uh, in the brain. Um, but they are having—you know—they're just a handful of them. And at best, their studies have shown that they might slow down the disease for up to six months and perhaps half the people that take them. Um, but they never claim to improve cognition. They haven't been shown to improve cognition. So um, that's the state of it. Um, I have been following, obviously, the research for a very long time. I've watched the conference. I've been was going to the conference until the pandemic, but watching it the last couple of years. Alzheimer's Association International Conference and they bring together about 5,000 researchers. They have hundreds of presentations. They have about 3,000 poster presentations um, and and I, I was just, you know, again, once again, not surprised but still somewhat surprised that there was no new announcement of any new breakthrough in medications, any treatments for Alzheimer's. Um, one of the cool things though, um, back um, when all of this happened with my husband, which we'll talk about, I tried my darndest to get this information to the Alzheimer's Association to get them to acknowledge it. And uh, I even went to a conference about two months after it happened, tried to distribute one of the distribute information. I arranged for a table. They had the article, they approved it, and then at the last minute they rescinded it. Wow, uh, wouldn't let me have a table, wouldn't let me put out the sole case report I had written about Steve that the intention of the case report was to draw attention to this and to try to, Um, encourage funding and research into the ketone ester, which Dr. Richard Beach had developed at the NIH. And they told me, not only can you not have a table, but you can't pass it out at the conference, but you can come to the conference. And we had all the travel arrangements. I had, you know, everything. So we went, we went and I'll admit I did sneak it to about 200. Good, good. (laughs) 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 um,
0: Sitting in the bush in the parking lot or something like distributing, like here you go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the following year, I talked, uh, we were at, a Steve and I were at a forum for for people, well, for Alzheimer's. It was um, in Washington, D.C. They go to um, government offices, you know, senators, representatives to try to encourage them to get more funding for Alzheimer's research, basically, is why we were there. But um, to me, it was an opportunity to kind of meet people like the medical director of the Alzheimer's Association, try to talk with them. And they just were not interested at all in researching this. They said this isn't the kind of type, the type of study they would fund, and not only that, but you know, they they were not willing to even mention it or uh, to, you know, um, any of the people you know that come to them for information. Um, And and, you know, I I said, you know, this is a food. It's a food. Um, There was a medical food that was about to be approved that year. Um, it was just C8 MCT oil, um, you know, uh, caprylic acid um, that was already available on the shelf. Bodybuilders were using it. People use it for weight loss. Um, and it, you know, it's not a harmful drug. It's not toxic. Um, it was has been put in infant formulas for decades. Uh, if uh, medium chain triglycerides are in human breast milk. Uh, you know, uh, but I couldn't convince them um to acknowledge it, much less study it, at wow. the time, and uh, finally, around 2016, they started funding some MCT oil research for ketones. Um, Dr. Stephen Cunane in Canada, notably, um, and then some other projects since then, ketogenic diet and MCT oil, other studies by Dr. Cunane, um, and the first session ever for ketones was eight, uh, nine years after this happened with Steve it was in 2017 wow. and. Yeah, and this year there were four sessions that had um, at least a couple of um, they. Well, they had um, several presentations on beta-hydroxybutyrate, the ketone, um, various aspects of it. Uh, some, some of them, some of the research I hadn't come across myself. It was very interesting, interesting, having to do with the, the microbiome. There are bacteria in the bowel that that produce beta-hydroxybutyrate, and it shows up in the brain when that happens. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, it is amazing. Ketones. So, um, they're finally kind of acknowledging it.
0: (laughs) Ketones are endlessly fascinating. It seems like every day we learn something new and some magical new thing that they do. It's just so cool to learn about and study. And I think this would be a nice segue onto how this kind of came to be yeah, your yeah your world yeah, what was yeah, a day in the life yeah. like for you and steve before he oh, started showing symptoms oh my gosh
1: oh oh before he started showing symptoms so um so i i'm a physician i did newborn intensive care for 30 years and that's what i was doing when all this happened um, my husband steve was an accountant and that worked out really perfectly for our family because um he, he actually volunteered if we were going to have children he volunteered to stay home um to work from home and which is possible for an accountant it was unusual in those days but he was able to work for my medical practice which was beautiful you know being hospital-based I didn't need another office and so he just worked from home um and um he he was uh, the super creative guy um he invented various things he invented like a rudder for his kayak to make it go straight you know when you uh rode it um he invented um, back when I was in medical school, um, I had to read for about four hours every night. And he would like to watch TV with his tiny little apartment. Um, so he invented um, a thing he could plug into the TV with a headset so he could listen to the TV silent while I read. Wow. You know, and this was in the 1970s. Yeah,
0: wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Smart guy.
1: I mean, just, yeah, several things like that. Uh, he was um, an avid kayaker. He was an avid novel reader, loved computers. He had, you know, one of the very first computers, Atari. I remember typing ah, on that. Um, wow. And he always had to have the fastest computer, did all of his accounting work on that. And then he, um, you know, basically around age 51, I started noticing some things and it had to do with his memory. He would forget appointments like our, our daughters would need take, say an I appointment. They they were scheduled for that. And I would call about 30 minutes ahead of time say, uh, don't forget about the eye appointment. He'd still forget. He'd forget to take them. And I thought, uh, you know, just things like that would happen. And I thought it was just, just getting distracted, you know, maybe a little midlife crisis or something going on, you know. Um, he would hang Post-its in the doorways on long pieces of tape to try to remind him to do things. And he'd still forget to do them. And then, um, so about when he was 51, he started forgetting if he'd been to the bank and the post office. And that was his job. He did this every day. And he couldn't remember if he'd gotten mail from the post office and he would misplace it. It would turn up in all different locations in our garage, which was a gigantic mess. He had started hoarding too. Uh, That had been going on for a few years at that point. Later, he told me that he knew he had a problem Several years earlier than I caught on, you know, he knew something was up and he had gotten quite depressed and um, took him to a neuropsychiatrist who mentioned dementia, but didn't say, um, you know, didn't believe it was that. He said it's more likely depression, which can cause memory problems. I think it was actually the other way around the memory issues, the, the problems he was experiencing were causing his depression. And, and all throughout, Steve was always aware, uh, you know, that he had these issues. And then um, in 2004, things had gotten worse and worse, much worse. Um, we had moved from that location to for me to start another newborn intensive care unit about an hour north. And then it became really obvious. He could not figure out how to get around this little small town that has just a few north, south, east, west arteries and um couldn't read a map anymore. He would uh, spend hours and hours in his garage looking for something, and then he'd still be looking for it, but he couldn't remember what it was. (laughs) It was very strange behavior. And so um, I took him to our neurologist uh, who uh, was recommended by the local Alzheimer's Association, and he um, said he thought Steve did have some type of dementia. He did a whole – he did an MRI, which was actually normal at that point. This was in 2004 – um, but he had this test called the mini mental status exam and it's a 30 point test and if you're normal you'll get 29 or 30 points. Steve got 23 points and um, he, there was like there's a drawing that you do it's this interlocking trapezoid. Steve, it was so bizarre looking the drawing it wasn't even remotely close to that. Um, I just remember seeing you know the doctor showing me the test and he said okay he said well this could be Alzheimer's, he said, but I want to see if it progresses before we put that label on him and start him on medication. Because he said, once you start the medications, if you come off of them, you can get worse worse much faster. That's one of the problems with these drugs. So um, six months later, we came back and he had developed a tremor in the meantime, and his score was worse. And he said, you know, he felt that he most likely had Alzheimer's. And there was really no other test other than autopsy at that point. They didn't, couldn't even look at plaque in the brain at that point. So, um, you know, he was officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2004, and um, it just continued to progress. Um, we had actually um, in 2006 switched over to a Mediterranean diet from our convenience food, convention, you know, <laughs> high 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 carb, low fat diet. We had been. You know, founded for years by the American Heart Association that we need to eat low fat. So that's what we were doing. And um, I had read an article that people on the Mediterranean diet with Alzheimer's, the people who ate the most Mediterranean-like diet, lived four years longer than the people with the least Mediterranean-like diet. Mm. And, and that was really my first hint that nutrition had anything to do with Alzheimer's. And I, I kind of researched the whole, you know, all different diets. And I did land on the Mediterranean diet. It looked like it had been the most studied and it did have some good results. So we both we switched over to Mediterranean. Um, but he continued to get worse, you know, anyway. And then um, he had to stop driving in 2006. He couldn't even, I mean, this is a man that was on a computer all day doing accounting or playing on it. And he couldn't even remember how to turn on the computer much less use a mouse or do anything. Couldn't use his calculator anymore. Um, and, you know, it was just uh, clear that he was going downhill very quickly. He and, would and is he, yeah.
0: Is he aware of all of these things as they're happening, yeah. or is it not aware? Yes.
1: He's aware. No, he was totally aware. Ugh, brutal. He, he was. He knew of his diagnosis with Alzheimer's. He knew that he could use a computer. He knew that he could turn it, and he just couldn't remember how to do it, and he was extremely frustrated. Really? And depressed, very, very depressed. Sure. I mean, he was actually suicidal, you know, at times, and and um, I, you know, he had uh, had a little bit of hallucinations. He would see little people walking down the roof, and I look like, uh, hmm, I don't see, that. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Wow. Um, but he he knew he had Alzheimer's and he was very depressed about it and and really all along he knew what he used to be able to do what he couldn't do anymore
0: it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking for you the caretaker it it's heartbreaking for him being aware of all of it mm-hmm. and feeling that decline uh, yeah it's right. just it's so tragic so so when mm-hmm. so so did switching to a mediterranean diet help somewhat
1: or still no uh, it was hard to say it helped me a whole lot <laughs> <laughs> because I lost weight. I got much healthier. All those carb cravings went away. I was constantly hungry and that all went away. And and I did. I lost a lot of weight um during that time um about and I've managed to keep off 60 pounds of that weight. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So, it was great for me. Um it did improve his blood sugar. He was um also in the pre-diabetic range, you know, when we started that and that did improve also over time. I was pre-diabetic and that completely resolved it, you know, I haven't had that problem since I went to that style of eating and, and then added keto, you know, too. Um, but um it, you know, it's hard to say if it slowed it down. It he yeah. it, it, it it did progress. And, you know, it's just without a comparison to anybody else or being in a study, we we really couldn't tell if it had slowed it down at least. Yeah. Um, but we we kept doing it. We we just kept doing it.
0: Gotcha. So when did coconut mm-hmm. oil enter the picture?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So this was in May of uh, 2008. And what happened was there were two new clinical trials that um, came into our area for two drugs. And these were drugs that remove beta amyloid plaque from the brain and reduce blood levels of beta amyloid, the soluble beta amyloid. Um, And the great hope was if you remove these plaques, it would improve cognition. And we thought, oh my God, finally, you know, here's a trial. There hadn't been one in our area for several years. Um, so uh, I set him up the screen for these two clinical trials two days in a row when I happened to be off work. And um, the night before the first clinical trial, I thought, what if he gets accepted into both studies? We have to pick one. So I'm looking for the risks and the benefits of these two drugs. And I just happened upon a press release, it, and it happened to mention three. You know, three drugs for all, basically things for Alzheimer's. And and the one, it mentioned the medical food that became Axona. It was called AC1202 at the time. It was still under study and wasn't approved yet. But they had had a study, a pilot study um, of 20 people. And with the very first dose, almost half the people with Alzheimer's that took it had improved cognition scores. Wow. And memory and cognition, which doesn't happen with these drugs. And I thought, Oh, it didn't say what it was or how it worked. So um, I was able to find her patent application. And it was uh, there's a, um, a website, it was called Free Patents Online. I'm not sure if they still exist. I haven't been able to find it lately, but um, I was able to get the patent application. I read through it. It was about 75 pages. And it talked all about um, Alzheimer's as a type of diabetes of the brain. And this was really the first time I had heard anything about this. And um, it talked about how glucose uptake in the old-timer brain uh, was abnormal, that this was something that started 10 or 20 years before a person developed symptoms and um, that it was due to insulin resistance and insulin deficiency in the brain. And I uh, thought, wow, that's, um, that's very interesting. And the thing about it is that, um, you know, uh, probably most of your listeners are aware that when you eat something that has, you know, uh, carbohydrate, it, it most of it becomes glucose, and glucose um, is a fuel for our brain and most of our other cells in the body. Um, but it requires insulin to get into those cells, and um, uh, if insulin is either deficient or there's insulin resistance, in which the cells are not responding, glucose just doesn't get into the cells. So in Alzheimer's, or certain areas of the brain where this is happening, uh, um, it starts in the areas with, uh, that um, have to do with learning and memory, and then it just slowly progresses throughout the brain as the disease progresses. It gets worse and worse, and, and uh, you basically have very, very poor glucose uptake in a big part of the brain um, at, during the last stages of Alzheimer's. Um, so the thing about ketones <laughs> is they're, another, they're an alternative fuel for the brain um, and they are taken up normally in the old-timer brain. This is something that research in Canada, Dr. Stephen Cunin and his group, uh, published in 2016. Um, they use ketone and glucose PET scans, and they were able to document. The same areas that do not take up glucose normally in the old-timer brain do take up ketones normally. Uh, yeah, and ketones don't need insulin. They use different transporters. Um, they, they enter um, – it's, it's a biochemical – chain reaction called the tca cycle to make an energy molecule called atp that basically virtually every cell needs to carry out its functions Um, and glucose actually requires six more steps uh, chemical reactions to get into this tca cycle than ketones do ketones enter more directly it's a smaller molecule it crosses very easily into the brain And so, you know, the idea with that medical food, which was MCT oil, medium chain triglyceride oil, um, was that it produces ketones and the ketones from MCT oil um, would be taken up by the brain and could possibly improve memory and cognition in somebody with Alzheimer's. That was the idea behind the medical food. And I thought, oh my God, this is brilliant. Um, For one thing, I knew what MCT oil was because I'm a neonatologist, a newborn specialist, and we used to add it to the feedings of our tiniest preemies back in the um, late 70s, early 1980s. And then the formula manufacturers began adding it to premature formulas, MCT oil. And they started adding coconut oil to premature and other infant formulas because it has these medium chain triglycerides, which are in human breast milk. They were trying to mimic human breast milk. Um, so I knew what MCT oil was. Um, and, uh, I think if I wasn't a neonatologist, it, I'm, it might've just gotten right past me. That's what know? I was wondering.
0: I'm, I, I've actually yeah. told people when I tell people yeah. your story, I think I do it incorrectly. <clears throat> i I've, I've been telling <clears throat> people that since you worked with babies, you understood that babies were in ketosis <clears throat> most of the time. No. And, and, yeah. and that was the link between the two, but it sounds like that wasn't necessarily, you were just familiar. Around. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was familiar with it. I, because we had used it, we, I had to order it, you know. So how much MCT oil to put in each of the feedings of these tiny babies, these were babies under two pounds. And I learned later, when I learned all of this about ketones, then I came across information um, about uh, that a newborn baby, if it's, the baby is strictly breastfed, will go into ketosis. And they're fat, you know, human babies are fat compared to other mammals. Uh, human breast milk and, and the, uh, the milk of other mammals uh, cows, goats, you know, have medium-chain triglycerides in them. Um, and so, um, like a, a woman who breastfeeds, you know, it takes several days for the milk to start coming in. There's a little bit there, colostrum, but not very much. And, and as a neonatologist, I thought, what in the world was the baby living off of those first few days? Funny. And uh, But it's their fat, you know, the burning of fat um, in that condition and ketosis. So that some of the fat is being... Um, converted in the liver to ketones and ketones provide energy something like 75% of the energy to the brain in the newborn and ketones are the building blocks for lipids in the brain in the newborn it's (laughs) it's very interesting it converts uh, other fats are converted to ketones to 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 build these lipids in the brain and the brain's about like 60-70% lipids wow So, um, I learned that part of it later, but I knew about MCT just because we were literally putting it in the feeding for the babies. And so I knew it it was out there. I knew it was out there somewhere. I didn't know I could just get it on Amazon, (laughs) but, um, but in a patent application, I read that, um, medium chain triglycerides are the oil is usually extracted from coconut or palm kernel oil and coconut oil. I'm like, Oh, I've seen that in health food stores and um but it was a little you know um in medical school i had been taught that coconut oil was an artery clogging fat and i thought why why is it in health food stores i used to always wonder that (laughs) Uh, and i had never really looked into it you know but i knew i could get it and um so what happened was um i'm reading all this it's about 1 a.m we had to be to the center down in saint petersburg florida at 9 a.m so i didn't have time to do anything about it and um we went down uh, for his screening, and um, Steve uh, he failed. He did not get into the study. He scored only fourteen out of thirty points on this Mini Mental Status Exam, much worse than um, than his previous testing. And um, you know, he didn't get in. He needed at least sixteen points to qualify. And we were pretty devastated. And um, the doctor, um, she had Steve draw a clock. And um, I actually have a picture of it in my book. Oh, I love these. Okay. I love
0: showing people yeah. this. Yes,
1: yes. Okay. So this is what he drew. Yeah.
0: Can if you're if you're listening to this and not watching this, make sure you pull this up, and we'll link it in the notes. But yeah, that's not mm-hmm. a clock. That is not a, a drawing of no. a clock, I would say. A few circles. No, a, a, a few numbers. A few numbers, yeah. But it's kind of like a... It, it looks... Yeah. It just looks like scattered around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's disorganized. And, um, the doctor told me that he was on the verge of severe Alzheimer's. You know, So this was really a pretty devastating visit on all, all, all counts. And so, um, I knew I had seen, um, coconut oil in health food stores. And there was one in Tampa where I knew I had seen it. So we drove an hour out of our way to get coconut oil. Turns out it was in health food stores all over Spring Hill (laughs) where we live. But, (laughs) but anyway, when we got home, um, I got on the internet and, you know, I had learned in biochemistry about medium change triglycerides back in medical school in the seventies, early seventies. Um, but, um, so I had to refresh my memory about that. And I had also heard about ketones increasing during starvation. Um, uh, it, it, and that's, you know, another, this was published in the 1960s, late 1960s. Right. Dr. George Cahill, yep. who you mentioned earlier, yep. who I got to actually meet in 2012. Was awesome,
0: Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, he and Dr. Beach and I went to Congress to meet with our um, my my congressman from congresswoman here from Florida, at that time to try to get more funding for this ketone ester research. Um, so I got to meet him. He looked a lot like George uh, Bush Senior. Funny, um, but it was it was just intriguing, yeah. and it was um, about uh, three years before he passed away. Sadly, so you know, yeah, wonderful man. Um, so um, so we were okay. So then so I got uh, figured out what medium chain triglycerides are. And then I found a USDA website where you can do a search for pretty much any food and you can get the breakdown of the, the composition of the food. And I, I was able to find a fatty acid composition for coconut oil. And what I learned was that it was 60% medium chain triglycerides. So these are C6 through C12. And uh, the, uh, the, the fatty acids are carbon chains and they're named according to how many carbons are in the chain. So the medium chains, um, many people consider C6 to C12 medium chains, and it was sixty percent coconut oil, was sixty percent medium chain triglyceride. So I calculated how much coconut oil he would have to get to equal the dose of the medical food that people had responded to, and I came up with um, thirty-five grams, which is a little over seven, about about seven teaspoons, a little over two tablespoons. Okay. So the next day he is scheduled to. do the second screening for a clinical trial. And it was in a different town. It was in Tampa um, and a different day. And basically um, the doctor there had said, uh, yeah, you can try to remind him day of the week, the season. He gave me a couple little tips all the way down. I'm trying to get him to remember. And he just couldn't remember. Couldn't come up with the day of the week. Couldn't come up with the season. I thought, oh, he's not going to do any better. You know, uh, But I had given him a um, little over two tablespoons of coconut oil about it turned about four hours before he took the test and um when they took him away to do the mini mental status they came back and start you know doing his blood pressure talking about drawing blood and i'm like what's going on and she said oh he qualified for the study and he his test score came up by four points from the day before and he qualified he got it 18 and he did he remembered for some reason it just kicked in and and probably because coconut the ketones from coconut uh peak at about three hours after you eat it um yeah so he um he got the day of the week right which was a different day he got the season right he got um the town he was in and the floor that he was on in the institution which was different than the day before and um he um qualified you know for the study and we were elated um he ended up um, testing again for the other study and he his score went up even more he got 20 out of 30 wow um when he tested for that one again um we were still trying to decide which study to be in you were allowed to try out more than once so um but then you know i thought okay is this really the coconut oil or did we just have a stroke of good luck you know i just really wasn't sure
2: yeah
1: good day and i thought but there's no harm in keeping it up so yeah i basically i started buying um uh, coconut cookbook i mean that that like that day online i'm getting recipes for how to use coconut oil and um, just learning everything i could about it recipe books and uh, there's a book called um, coconut cures that i read and i just and and i thought you know the medical food was designed to be given once a day and that's what the clinical trials were but they actually said that the level of from of ketones from MCT oil peak at 90 minutes and on average but we're gone after three hours. And I thought, well, the brain needs ketones 24 seven. You know, the brain's a very active organ, even when you're sleeping, it's using a lot of energy. So why not give it throughout the day? And with something like coconut oil, it can be easily incorporated into cooking. If you, um, you know, just know anything, uh, you know, a little bit about it. And so um, like the next day and every day after I just started giving them a little over two tablespoons for breakfast. And then, Cooking with it, adding it—you know—it melts on so many different kinds of warm foods. I would use it in cooking. I cook eggs with it. You know, got started getting coconut milk, getting flake coconut. We got whole coconuts. We bake them. We <laughs> just—you know—and luckily, we love coconut. So, um, just our life became all about it. Um, but you know, some of the changes that happened those first few days were pretty dramatic. Um, in addition to that, Steve started saying he said he felt like a light switch came on his head the day he started the coconut oil. And I've had other people say that, not in those words, but they said something changed. Something was different, you know, about the way I was thinking that first day. And, um, he, you know, before, um, he started this in the morning, he would be very sluggish. He'd come out very slowly. He had a weird gait, you know, he couldn't run anymore. Um, but he would, um, um pick his feet up and walk real slow just a strange gait he had tremors like when he would try to talk his jaw would tremor and he would have trouble finishing a sentence and his hand would tremor when he tried to eat and um he would have trouble like getting silverware out of the the drawer getting the right utensil you know what he wanted he'd come back with the the wrong one several times and he finally got the right one couldn't figure out how to get water out of the refrigerator So within those first few days, all of that changed. (laughs) He started coming out with more energy, you know, um, uh, much more talkative, started whistling and making jokes again. Uh, He was quite the whistler, too. He had these great medleys that he would whistle. (laughs) And, um, you know, he just totally felt different. He could get the water out of the fridge. He could get the right utensil. The tremors, the jaw tremor completely went away. We never saw that ever come back. And, um, his hand tremor, he would have it until he had his coconut oil, 20 or 30 minutes later, we would see the tremor would go away, which was intriguing. And, um, so by about the fifth day or so, we looked at each other and we said, something has changed for the better here. Um, and you know, in the meantime, I'm researching everything I can about ketones and, and, um, I found on Wikipedia, Dr. Richard Beach's, um, Uh, telephone number at the NIH, (laughs) and he was was considered the world's expert on ketones. Um, He had um, worked with Dr. Hans Krebs and helped work out the TCA cycle decades earlier, Um, and at the NIH, he had been working on um, uh, learning everything about the possibilities of uh, ketones as therapeutics since the 1990s and had been developing this ketone ester since the 1990s. But it hadn't really gotten the funding that it needed to get mass-produced and get clinical trials. So we talked about all that when I called him. He answered his own phone. um, And, you know, yeah. (laughs) And um, I had a whole list of questions for him. I didn't tell him what I was doing yet, with Steve, I I presented it more as a theoretical. And I asked him, I said, do you think that that, – uh, taking coconut oil could help somebody with Alzheimer's. And he said, Oh no, 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 no. He said the ketone levels would be much too low. Um, you would need very high ketone levels. He thought four to five millimoles for people that know something about the levels that that would be needed to help somebody with Alzheimer's. And, um, I knew it had helped Steve, you know, at that point, um, that I believed it was. And he said that, um, Somebody else, another man had called him several years earlier asking him that same question about MCT oil. And, you know, and he said he had told him the same thing. Well, this was, it turned out to be uh, Dr. Sam Henderson, who had, uh, he's a PhD and his mother had, had Alzheimer's. And he had this idea about using MCT oil to help people with Alzheimer's because wow. of the ketone production from MCT oil. So, um Anyway, so I, I didn't tell him, but he sent me papers. He sent me some of his hypothesis papers. And then um, two weeks after um, Steve started taking the coconut oil, he had another clock test. <laughs> and, okay, so mm, there it is.
0: Yeah, again, for the listener. Yeah. Okay, now we've got a circle. We've got the clock face. I do see mm-hmm. lines across. So, this this is starting to look a lot more like a clock. And the yeah. thing that always yeah. the thing that always stuns me when I'm showing this is is showing yeah. them the time, the time difference between the first one and the second one. Wasn't it fifteen mm-hmm. days?
1: Two, yeah, 14 days,
0: fourteen days. Yeah, fourteen days. Yeah. I mean, again, it's so still this is two weeks. It doesn't look like the best clock ever, but it is yeah. a vast, yeah. vast, vast improvement over the first one.
1: Right. Right. And then this was 37 days yeah it uh, so on, was a little tidier looking you
0: know <laughs> yeah yeah. And now i'm yeah. looking at a clock i would i if if, oh. if i walked across a sidewalk drawing that was done by my uh-huh. neighbor kids or something i would say they are drawing a clock mm-hmm. i would recognize that right. in right. 35 days and another thing i just want to mm-hmm. make sure that i understand yeah. this correctly wow yeah it's mm-hmm. so so amazing to see the difference. The other Mm -hmm. thing I I just want to point out is at this point, you guys are still eating a mixed diet. You're not eating a a zero carbohydrate or very low carbohydrate ketogenic. You're just simply adding coconut oil Mm -hmm. to the mixed diet that was already there.
1: Wow. Exactly. wow. We were eating Mediterranean. Steve was actually eating a whole lot of fruit every evening. He would stand at the sink and eat one piece of fruit after another. And um, when I look back, I, you know, at that, I felt like his brain was probably craving sugar. (laughs) That's why he was eating so much fruit, um, but it wasn't working. You know, you can have a really high blood sugar, but if it's not getting into those cells, they're starving. The cells are starving. They're not going to function. So I think that something like that was going on. And, And not long after we added the coconut oil, he actually stopped eating so much sugar, uh, the fruit, I should say, um, which was really quite amazing. And then, um, over time, you know, we, um, uh, oh, so when the the second clock, when he drew that second clock, then I called Dr. Beach and I faxed him the before and, and after clock. And he called me back and he said, well, he said, this is unexpected. That's what he said. Wow. He, he said um, he just really didn't think the levels could be high enough to have any you know benefit. But something was going on, he said. Um, and, and, and then he put me in touch with Dr. George Cahill. He called me. Dr. Theodore Van Italy called me um, and Dr. Sammy Hashem. And uh, Dr. Van Italy and Hashem, they were the, the two who had studied intensively medium-chain triglycerides in the late 50s and throughout the 1960s. And they had discovered that um, MCT oils converted the ketones in the liver. And they had been involved with these recent hypothesis papers, uh, along with Dr. Beach, trying to get this information out about the potential for ketones as therapeutics. Um, But the studies had been done a little bit in animals, but not any human studies yet. So they were all so excited that this human (laughs) with Alzheimer's had responded to, you know, um, something like coconut oil, of all things, you know, that had um, these medium chain triglycerides in it. Um, And Dr. Hashim and Aunt Italy both uh, agreed that they, they, Dr. Hashim told me he, Felt like uh, he had always thought that lower levels of ketones could be beneficial you know for people with with Alzheimer's wow so they encouraged me to keep going and then dr van Italy he said there could be other things in coconut oil or other reasons why it's helping him too in addition because the ketone levels aren't very high they're pretty minimal and dr beach did measure Steve's ketone levels um, acetoacetate and beta hydroxybutyrate in his glucose level um, after he took um, coconut oil like he had two doses there were level drawn before and then hourly after each of the two doses, um, and um, basically uh, my lab director at the hospital I worked at agreed to do the drawings, and they put them on um, uh, liquid nitrogen, um, you know, to transport to the NIH, and then they ran the levels the next day. And wow. um, the it was interesting because with MCT oil and uh, ketone supplements. And in starvation, beta-hydroxybutyrate levels get much higher than acetoacetate. But the coconut oil, the acetoacetate levels were higher than beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is interesting. We don't know what it means yet. doctor kunane Cunane's been thinking a lot about that, but we don't know what it means. Mm. Yeah, but but beta-hydroxybutyrate is converted to acetoacetate before it enters the mitochondria to make ATP. So it could have something to do with that. But anyway, um, the levels were relatively low. Um, but, um, I think, uh, an interesting thing is that in 2016, this group in Japan, um, they had me come over and they, they were really interested in why Steve would have responded to something with such low ketone levels like coconut oil. And they did a study with, um, um lauric acid and, and, um, uh, and the other medium chains in, um, coconut oil and lauric acid is half of coconut oil, C12. So it's a it's on the it's on the edge. It's kind. It has some properties of medium chain triglycerides and some of longer chain triglycerides, but it's still many still consider it a medium chain triglyceride. The lardic acid, it turns out, um, in cultures of astrocytes, potently stimulates ketone production. And astrocytes are brain cells that nourish the neurons in the brain. So um, it could be that. Um, Laric acid and coconut oil acts more directly in the brain um, to simulate ketone production. Um, and uh, it turns out medium-chain triglycerides themselves, well, C8, C10, and C12 all did this to astrocytes. But um, C8 and C10 are used up very rapidly. Um, they're converted mostly to ketones, especially C8. Whatever yeah. is left is used as energy fairly quickly. It turns out that the brain can use those. Um, You know, C8 and C10 directly as fuel. Astrocytes use these median chains directly as fuel, too. Um, In the brain, it's been documented now. C12 hasn't been studied yet, and there's a group um, that they're uh, hopefully going to study that um, to try to just, you know, prove one way or the other that C12 gets it in the brain and that it does this directly in the brain. It's so interesting explain.
0: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. Yeah, no,
1: I was just going to say that. That could explain why something with relatively low ketone levels like coconut oil could have such a powerful effect, you know, because it's a more direct effect in the brain of increasing ketones.
0: Interesting. So I remember Mm -hmm. when I first started getting into low carbohydrate, it was probably 2018. I remember being told Mm -hmm. that like coconut oil has those three, the C8, the C10 Mm -hmm. and the C12, but that the the, the two potent ones were C8 and C10 and especially C8. Mm -hmm. So I stopped eating as much coconut oil and started purchasing the C8 medium change triglycerides, And for me personally, I couldn't tell the difference between the C8 versus the C8 and C10 blends. Mm -hmm. And so I just figured like the C8 straight up was kind of a waste of money. But Mm -hmm. to this day, I still do the C8 and C10 um, uh, kind of Mm -hmm. combination for MCT oil. I put it in my coffee every single morning. Would I be better Mm -hmm. off to go back to just eating coconut oil itself?
1: Um, Well, what we ended up doing was mixing them. You know, I felt like, okay, coconut oil has, you know, um, and I didn't know yet about the lark acid and the astrocytes because this was still only 2008 and it was 2016 when they found that. But Dr. Van Italy, he said, you know, he, he recommended it and my gut feeling was to keep the coconut oil going yeah, um, because he said there may be something else in it that we don't know about yet. Um, and um, and I agreed with him and I, I didn't want to take that risk of just, because Dr. Veach actually did encourage me. He said, just use C8. Just forget about the coconut oil. Use C8. It's the uh, most ketogenic. But I thought, what if he declines <laughs> again? You know, that's the last thing I wanted to see. So I decided just to mix them. And um, and he didn't tolerate. Steve didn't tolerate C8. He would have diarrhea. He'd end up yeah. in the bathroom. But yeah. as soon as he took any C8, but he was fine with C8, C10. So um, I started adding um, um I started mixing MCT oil and coconut oil together literally like in the same bottle. Got it. And uh, I found uh, a ratio of it that it was liquid at room temperature and it could be used in almost any kind of food because coconut oil tends to chunk up if you put it in anything cold, you know, like even a smoothie it will get a little bit chunky. And MCT oil is, um, it doesn't even freeze to, until well below freezing level, you know, right. water. Um, so um, you can use MCT oil in pretty much anything. But when you mix them together, you can use it in pretty much anything the two, the mixture of the two. So, I started mixing them together. Um, we still, I still did some cooking with whole coconut oil, virgin unrefined coconut virgin oil,
0: unrefined. And
1: okay. virgin unrefined, virgin uh, unrefined, because there are so many other nutrients. There are these uh, polyphenols that are anti inflammatory, antioxidants, uh, a lot of vitamins and minerals um, that you know, just and there could be other substances we don't even know about yet. That's right. <laughs> so, just kept the whole virgin, unrefined to get the maximum nutrition from it. Um, And then um, I just started increasing it, just gradually increasing it as he tolerated it. And and then I would say probably by about three or four months after we started all of this, that he um, was probably on a ketogenic diet at that point because he was getting somewhere between maybe nine and 11 tablespoons a day of this, which is quite a lot of fat. Wow and um he had just naturally he had stopped eating so much of the fruit he would eat you know like berries you know blueberries strawberries which are relatively low in sugar he would leave the bread he would he'd have a sandwich or a hamburger or something he would just leave the the bread and not eat it and he would leave the rice and the pasta and not eat it Great. and i thought okay so i kind of stopped by that time i had learned about the charlie foundation and ketogenic diet for epilepsy and uh, learned a lot more about that. Um, and I had, uh, spoken with our dietitian Beth Zupacania, you know, we had corresponded and she encouraged me to try to go more in the keto range, you know? So then I would say several months later that he was on a ketogenic diet, but they, they didn't have those home monitors yet where you could confirm it. So I don't know absolutely for sure, but sure. strongly suspect. Sure. And, um, what we saw through that summer, um, I mean, he he just continued to progress. Around six weeks after we started the coconut oil, we went home for a visit to our families in Cincinnati. And the years before, he couldn't remember the names of his brother-in-laws that he'd known, you know, for a long time, and nieces. And he was like a wallflower; he just wasn't talking to anybody and not communicating. And but this time. He was, you know, very outgoing as he usually was. He laughed at jokes. He remembered their names, his brother-in-laws, everybody. They had conversations and they were like, what has happened to Steve? Wow. <laughs> you know, He's better than he was last year. And I brought the clocks with me and I started showing them the clocks and they're like, and I told them about the coconut oil and they got, like, oh my God, you know. And some of his family members of mine started using coconut oil themselves because we all have a history in our family. Yeah. And, um, and then um, that was when um, I happened to be on that visit, and uh, I saw a news story that the Alzheimer's Association was going to have a conference in July, like the next month. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've got this great opportunity to get this information out to 5,000 researchers from all over the world. And then uh, we already talked about the rest of the story, that I didn't, did not get to, oh, you, you know, I had 15. Wow. Yeah, I had 1,500 copies printed up and, and prepared to print up more in Chicago. and wow. and that uh,
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so, uh, It was a funny, kind of a funny thing. My sister was out there scouting out things and she found the press room for the Alzheimer's Association. And I tried to bring the information in there and they said, no, 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 we can't give anything to the press that hasn't been uh, reviewed by our committees and all this. And I'm like, okay. So we got in the hall and here's this young lady who, she uh, walked up to me and she says, "Would you like to do an interview for our this uh, journey through Alzheimer's documentary that we're putting together?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so I got to to show the clocks and wow. tell, tell the story, and I, it was on this thing. You can't find it anymore online, or haven't been able to find it, but um, it was out there for several years. Um, so I was in a documentary for that that conference. Wow, amazing. <laughs> That's I amazing. They were probably really upset with me about that, but you know, <laughs> so, I was willing to do anything to get yeah, the information good out. For yeah. good yeah. for you. Good for you. I got,
0: I've got two questions. Maybe you can answer both. Yeah. And I, I remember, um, I remember, I remember. Like coming across researchers looking at mm-hmm. low carbohydrate or ketogenic diets, I want to say it was for weight mm-hmm. loss, like back in the 1900s, and they were saying oh, like, yeah. "There, I, I, I'm going to butcher this. I'm just paraphrasing, but I remember them saying like, mm-hmm. there must be an upper limit of meat and fat that we can give these people. We just can't find it. Like there, there's got to be. We got to be overfeeding yeah. these people at some point, but we don't. We mm-hmm. we sure can't get there. So we don't know what that is. So my two questions to you are mm-hmm. first of all, did you ever find an upper limit of coconut oil that was like too much and and you needed to reduce? Mm-hmm. And then the second question is when I hear, you know, nine to eleven tablespoons of coconut oil, I'm thinking of yeah. my MCT oil. And if I did that with MCT <laughs> right. oil, I yeah, that would be very, very, very bad. I had very close calls. <laughs> I had yeah,
2: close yeah, calls yeah, when yeah. I first started. Yeah, yeah, Digestively, was yeah. he able
0: to handle that much coconut oil just fine?
1: Yeah. Well, he handled the coconut oil fine. You know, like the first day it was over two tablespoons, which some people, one teaspoon and they'll have diarrhea from it. You know, some people are just really sensitive. And I think that that holds true for other types of oils as well. Um, I took two tablespoons and I don't have a gallbladder. I didn't at that point. And and, uh, I had major indigestion. I didn't have diarrhea, but I had indigestion. Um, So there's... I think people are more limited by whether they have side effects from it or not. Um, I haven't really come across an upper limit. Steve is probably the most that I've heard of anybody eating. Um, and it was a mixture. It was a combination. I would say it was probably slightly more MCT than coconut oil, um, because we did use some whole coconut oil and other foods. Um, and then, um, so the other question, remind me again. No, that was
0: it. You answered both. How did he handle okay. it digestively? Okay. And if you ever found an upper limit, it seems right. like with the process yeah, of yeah. burning ketones is so mm-hmm. much supply-driven yeah. versus demand-driven. So it doesn't seem like there would yeah. be an upper limit limit which is amazing right, right. now this would be yeah. this would be pure speculation because there's no way <laughs> mm-hmm. to know what would have happened had you not found all of this but I would oh, argue yeah. strongly and I'm sure mm-hmm. you would too that, that doing mm-hmm. this gave him more time on this planet it sounded like oh. you got more years mm-hmm. out of this and I think the length yeah. of time is really important I think more time mm-hmm. is fantastic mm-hmm. but I, I yeah. also think more time of 2004 Steve 2006 Steve mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. awful feeling suicidal getting depressed Losing Mm -hmm. cognition Mm -hmm. would not be Mm -hmm. fun. That would not be a four years that I would want to do. Of course, he would be suicidal in that situation. Mm -hmm. So, more more so than the time, can you comment on Mm -hmm. the quality of life that you experienced in the time that you had with him?
1: Right, right. So, I mean, very early on, I mean, within a matter of days, when he felt like the light switch came back on, he also started saying that he had hope. He felt like he had hope again. His depression lifted, it was real obvious and just his demeanor and um, personality and how he was behaving. And he just felt much less depressed. Never mentioned suicide again after that. Um, and he, he, he could see improvements in himself because um, like there were things like at two months, he, he was able to walk normally again and run. <laughs> he could run again, you know, and um, he could tie his shoes again. I mean, think about how simple of a thing that is. You're, you're less than five years old developmentally, if you cannot tie your shoes. So that's kind of where he was at that point. Um, he, at uh, three or four months, I think it was close to four months after we started the coconut oil. He was on a pretty significant amount of oil too. And the amount was much higher at that point. Um, he announced one day that he could read again and he hadn't been able to read for about a year and a half. And he could not explain it to me though, why he couldn't read until this happened he says, I can read again. And I said, well, I said, why couldn't you read? And he said, it was because the words would look like they were getting into little pixels that were moving around on the wow. paper. Wow. And that stopped. It just stopped one day. And the only indication I had ever had that he had a visual disturbance was, um, we happened to be at, um, like at a visit at the Timers Institute and there was a thermostat on the wall. And he said, look at that thing. It's moving all over the place. And I'm like, Hmm, I'm not seeing, I didn't say it, I'm not seeing it, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting, you know, yeah, yikes. and so he had some kind of a tremor, a visual tremor of some sort, um, that was interfering with him reading, and, and it stopped, and, um, then he, you know, continued to just gradually do better, and around nine or ten months, he would remember what he had read earlier in the day, and Incredible. he would tell me things that he had read, and some of it was pretty detailed, he, um, for example, there was Um, he had read um, an article about Einstein in um, Scientific American. And a few hours later, he told me details about that story. And and he would say things, oh, the sunset's really beautiful tonight. It might have something to do with that volcano that we had, you
2: know, that had
1: erupted. And there had been a volcano that erupted a couple of weeks earlier. So he was remembering things. And like a wedding we had been to, he would talk about it later. And so there was a lot of new stuff and, and he was doing so much better. He just desperately wanted to work and feel useful again. And so he was able to start volunteering at the hospital that I worked at. Um, he worked in the supply warehouse. He would help um, move heavy boxes and help deliver things to the various nursing units, you know, usually with somebody else and then put stickers on supplies. And he felt very useful again. You know, it was just awesome. And so uh, it did it dr- it dramatically improve his quality of life. and. Um, you know, he had some setbacks, like I told you, uh, uh, it was almost two years after he started the coconut oil from that clinical trial, he yeah. got worse. He had a, a big setback and that was when Dr. Beach came to the rescue. who He is my hero <laughs> because the, um, ketone ester had had past toxicity testing. Um, and the FDA had, um, allowed it for, um, Basically, athletes, you know, who for five days, young, healthy uh, people for uh, to use for athletic performance for five days at that point. But Dr. Veach felt like that was enough to do a a pilot study uh, for Alzheimer's. And Steve was chosen as the first person with Alzheimer's to get this ketone ester as a pilot study. So um, it appeared on our doorstep one day and he sent me the raw material. It tasted horrible. It tasted like jet fuel it was just undiluted ketone ester. It just, I've heard it's I can't terrible. Tell you, I can't tell you how bad it tastes. Yeah. Um, and then I had to figure out how to make it palatable. And they suggested diluting it like four to, you know, um, like three parts water, one part, um, the ester. And then I tried all different kinds of flavorings and, and Steve, he knew he had old timers. Yeah. He knew what it was. He'd been waiting for it himself and he drank it and he shuddered, Ugh, you know, and um, he, um, within two hours of taking it for the first time, he was just determined to write out the alphabet, which he hadn't been able to do to say it and to write it out. And it took him over and over. He just on his own tried and tried and tried and tried. He finally finished writing out the alphabet and he said the alphabet and he was ecstatic because he hadn't been able to do that for quite a long time. Um, He was euphoric almost. I mean, just in a fantastic mood and, um, part of the setback we had had was that he needed a a lot more help just doing basic care for himself. And what I mean by that is he he had gone from being able to really dress himself, take a shower, shaving without thinking about it. He had, with the setback, he needed step-by-step guidance to take a shower. So um, what that means, (laughs) what that meant was I would have to stand with him You know, he's in the shower. I'm standing there telling him, okay, now get your hair wet. Okay, now rub the shampoo in. Okay, now rinse it out and just step by step through the whole thing. Same thing with shaving, same thing with brushing his teeth. And um, when he took the ketone ester the very next day, he just got in the shower and took it, shaved, picked out clothes, put them on. They weren't backwards or upside down, which they often were. (laughs) And um, it was, he said, I can do things again. You wow. know, I can do things again is how it, it was to him. And we saw that in many other things. And over about six weeks, basically nearly everything new that had happened during that setback was reversed. That's it, amazing. He was kind of back to square one. And then he went on for about 20 more months like that. So it was altogether close to four years wow. that he had a better quality of life. And, um, and then, um, sadly, what did happen was, um, He, uh, well, first he had a hospitalization related to um, a medication reaction. It was Valium. Um, We had, um, there was a geriatrician here in our area who, he has a big sign that says that he trained at Johns Hopkins, and is an old-timers expert. And I thought, oh, wow, this would be the guy to hook Steve up with, you know, um, as a physician. And so we went to him. And at that point, Steve would have um, an occasional night where he would say, this isn't where I live. Take me back to my place when it was time to go to bed. And we go through this for like an hour, you know, <laughs> and then I finally convinced him, well, it's kind of late. Why don't you just lay down here and we'll look for your place in the morning and then mm. he'd go to bed, you know? So we were having some things like that going on. It's really common in Alzheimer's. Um, and um, so this doctor said, well, let's just give him the like half of the lowest dose of allium and that'll probably calm him, and he'll probably go to sleep easier, you know, and the first three weeks he took it, uh, he was fine, but then he broke out into, like, a a dripping sweat one day, and then he started pacing and pacing, and he was calling my name, like, two or three hundred times a day, and it wasn't very happy, it was really strange, very strange, and um, I didn't quite know what was going on, you know, but it seemed like some kind of a toxicity, toxic reaction, but he had a severe night terror um, that was frightening. Um, he had he threw a like a Tiffany lamp against the wall. And I mean he had never ever done anything like that. And it, it was really frightening. And he ended up in the hospital, um, which I wish hadn't happened um, to this day. But they started giving him drugs like Haldol and um, Abilify and other things. And he had a like a really severe reaction to it. Um, this massive sweating and diarrhea and confusion and and he went from being fully upright um talking well feeding himself you know totally continent to exactly the opposite they wouldn't let him get out of bed he was restrained um, he developed a really severe tremor um from these medications and then you know this fever and these just massive sweating episodes And it turned out, he was having a reaction to Haldol called neuroleptic malignant syndrome. And Mm. it was getting worse and worse. And I'm the one researching this. They're not, you know, people there weren't, didn't seem to be at all surprised. Or, you know, um, I was told later that one of the nurses had said to um, a sitter that I ended up hiring to help with Steve, she told him that he was dying and I was in denial, you know. Wow. Well, he wasn't dying when he came in. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Um, so, um, I ended up taking him home and, and it, it was Haldol and, um, <clears throat> Steve, uh, I mean, it turned out he had Lewy body dementia as well as Alzheimer's and Lewy body is well known to have extreme sensitivities to certain medications like Haldol. Um, so that was most likely the cause, but, um, but he did over about six or eight weeks, he recovered quite a bit from that. I, I just, I, it was very hard to get ketone enough of it into the hospital, much less the coconut and MCT oil. I'd bring him smoothies and I'd bring him, but it was very hard you know, for him to get the amount that he was getting at home. So once he got home, we kind of went back to all of that. And um, and then um, about a year later, for the first time ever, he had a seizure. He was doing a lot better at this point, but he had hugged me, pulled me, loved me. I went off to work. He's standing and he fell straight back and hit his head and he went into a really severe seizure. I had a lady with him and she called me and Said she had just called nine one one. That he had stopped breathing. He was blue and uh, was having a seizure. And it, the seizure lasted for twenty minutes. He had another one on the way to the hospital. And and after that, he was completely dependent. Wow. So that just abruptly changed everything. And then um, he still uh, lived for another two and a half years uh, after that. And um, but he needed help. He needed help with eating and. Um, he really couldn't walk. I mean, he could walk, but he needed a whole lot of assistance, and it was very, um, not very safe for him to even attempt to walk by himself. Um, so uh, he did pass away from Alzheimer's in 2016, early 2016. Wow. Um, eventually, it, it will get in his case apparently it gets to the brainstem, and then his breathing changed, and he, you know, he just became unconscious, and, and then he passed away. Wow after that.
2: Yeah. Well, so so, sorry
0: for your loss. And obviously mm -hmm, that's a very terrible and tragic thing to have happen. Did you take any Mm -hmm. hope or solace away from that situation? And did that give you more peace that you at least had found something that gave him a better quality of life while he was around?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I felt like we had gained almost four better quality years than the year before we started it. And um, and it did give him hope again and for good reason, you know, because his life was better, you know, for several years. And, um, but, uh, you know, I also felt like, um, you know, he was fairly advanced. He was on the verge of severe Alzheimer's when we started this and that many, many people out there are at the earliest stage of the disease or they are at risk for it. And that, you know, this gives other people an opportunity, you know, um, and Steve's legacy to me is you know, the, the many other people who could benefit from this. Um, and the research, I, I do feel like it stimulated research. I, I got involved very quickly with um, Dominic D'Agostino, who had just come Amazing. to the um, University of South Florida near us. And I, we visited his lab a number of times. Say, and um, it spurred some research there um, that the ketone ester, he became aware of it because of a story that ran in our local paper about Steve. Um, and and he connected with us, you know, after he read that, and uh, he was focusing on ketogenic diet. He wasn't aware of the ketone ester at that point, but um, so we connected, and we're still, you know, um, uh, we're still very connected. I would say that's great. <laughs> so, oh, he wrote the foreword for my book. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and Milady Brown, yeah, I love it.
0: Wow. Well, I'm Uh I'm so glad you used the word legacy because that occurred to me as well. He he left Mm -hmm. something behind that's now helping so many people, which which is incredible. Any one of us would would love to have that said about us when Mm -hmm. we leave this earth that people used our lives for some kind of help. And again, terribly tragic that you had to go through it, but amazing now Mm -hmm. that you get to share your message. At what? at what stage, at what point of life should somebody Mm -hmm. start Mm -hmm. thinking about these things and Alzheimer's disease? Do we, do we wait until we're 60? Should we start when we're 20? And what Mm -hmm. things do you recommend that people do? Is it simply that you recommend Mm -hmm. that more people have more of the coconut oil, more MCT oil, or what Mm -hmm. should people do and when should people start?
1: Yeah. So, um, um, you can start at any age, but the sooner the better. And, um, you know, I think about infants and breast milk, and even in infant formulas, they're getting medium chain triglycerides and they're getting ketones and, um, it gets lost like, uh, this whole thing about eating a low fat diet, eating low fat dairy. If you're doing that, you're not getting any medium chain triglycerides and the brain does use ketones, uh, other organs in the body, the heart and kidneys love ketones. Right. It turns out on ketone pet. Um, so our whole body and brain can benefit, you know, throughout our lives. So I think you know, trying to incorporate some foods that have these medium-chain triglycerides is very important. I think another huge thing is getting away from eating so much sugar. Um, you know that that's been a huge problem. Uh, obviously, epidemics of obesity, diabetes, and dementia have just steadily gotten worse um, uh, since all these low-fat diet guidelines have gone into being and. You know, many manufacturers. I mean, they they produce all these uh, fat-free foods, reduce fat, this, reduce fat cheese. You know, everything, and it it eliminates this possibility that we'll ever be in ketosis. Right. (laughs) Um, Sugar itself is very harmful. Um, This is something I, as time went on, and I started writing, and you know, kept reading and reading about this, um, and you know, and it's insulin resistance is a big part of the problem in the Alzheimer brain. uh, what you, whatever you can do to overcome insulin resistance is very important. And um, Dr. Eric Westman, for example, at um, at, um, at Duke University, he has helped over four thousand people with type two diabetes, which is insulin resistance. Yeah. Basically, um, go completely into remission. They get off their insulin, off their meds, and all of this. And it's a, a very low carb, higher fat diet is what they're eating you know, to do this. Um, And now there are some case reports. Um, I have them in my book and, you know, I put them out other places, presentations of people who have Alzheimer's and diabetes or insulin resistance metabolic syndrome um, that have uh, completely uh, improved from abnormal, like many mental status scores, 21, 23 to normal, 28, 29, you know, up in the normal range. um, And um, reverse, you know, their diabetes, you know, getting uh, completely back to a normal hemoglobin A1C, normal fasting blood sugar within 10 weeks of going on a ketogenic American. diet. Yeah. And, um, uh, the, the, the program, like in these case reports, they also did exercise. They did some mental training and that type of thing too. Um, but, um, you know, and then other studies that I mentioned earlier, Mediterranean keto diet will also, it will be reverse these trends towards, um, insulin resistance in the opposite direction. And it's, it, you can see that in the blood, the biomarkers, the hemoglobin a and C, fasting, blood sugar, fasting insulin levels, all, you know, dramatically improve, you know, with a keto diet, um, and sugar itself, you know, when it's chronically elevated, we tend to produce in the blood advanced glycation end products. And there are these sticky, harmful molecules. They're very inflammatory. They, um, can form on DNA and RNA proteins, lipids, and really muck up the works. <laughs> I think of it as mucking up the metabolism, you know, yeah. because um, it, it can you know, damage these tissues and probably are responsible for a lot of the complications that happen in people with diabetes, the, the blindness, um, kidney yeah. failure, um, problems with circulation in the skin for, neuropathy. Yeah. yeah. And um so, you know, I, I think cutting down on sugar is extremely important and finding some way to get in ketosis. And, and that's could be many different things. Overnight fasting is very popular. Um, if you fast for at least 12 hours or so, you will start producing ketones and the longer you extend it, the higher the levels will get. Um, exercise, uh, moderate uh, exercise for 30 or 40 minutes will stimulate ketone production and There are some studies out there uh, that they were done actually as early as the 1930s or so, showing that these levels of ketones could be elevated for seven, eight, nine hours after you exercise. Um, So that's even without diet. But if you add medium chain triglycerides, coconut oil, you can further increase um, ketones. And I suggest people add those to their food. It will kind of help maintain a steady level of ketones, you know, um, mild nutritional ketosis. Um, reducing the sugar that will help even more increasing other fats in the diet. And then of course, you know, there are ketone supplements too. like people that feel like they want to further boost and ketones. Um, and I do this myself, you know, but um, you can take a ketone supplement and get your levels up quite a bit higher uh, temporarily, you know, for several hours, um, which uh, may have benefit as well. I know there's some studies going on now for ketone salts and um, there's one that the National Institute of Aging is doing with a ketone ester, uh, people that have metabolic syndrome and are at risk for cognitive impairment. Um, they're, they're studying, uh, they're doing, I believe they're getting ketone ester for about six months and the study is supposed to be done in 2023. Wow. So finally, Dr. Beach is getting some <laughs> studies done and uh, he did pass away. He was 84, still working at the NIH when he passed away in early 2020. So he didn't get to see the final fruits of it, um, all of his work. Um, but. Yeah. You know, so I'm carrying on Dr. Beach's legacy as well. That's, I feel like you know, I'm so pushing
2: forward.
0: Yeah, that's so yeah. amazing. I absolutely love that. And part of that is your new book. Can you tell us a little bit about Clearly Keto? Yeah.
1: So this is the book. It's a thick book, by <laughs> it, the way. Ooh, it's very, very, I couldn't stop writing. This is what I did with my pandemic vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. The, the cover was the yeah. first thing
0: I noticed on social media, maybe like a month ago. The cover yeah. is beautiful.
1: Oh, I love the cover. I'm thrilled with it. Um, Yeah, my uh, publisher, there was a kind of a turnover of people and they came up with this cover and I'm like, yes, finally a cover that I love. I love it. um, Yeah, so um, it took me about 16 months to write and um, the last chapter, uh, I spent the first 10 months writing and it's about what goes wrong in the Alzheimer brain. And I, I wrote it, you know, so that the average person who's interested in science should be able to read it and understand it. But um, also, you know, so that researchers and doctors who want an overview of, you know, what's going on um, might find it interesting. And it's tons of references, um, well over hundred references just for that one chapter. Wow. But um, I look at each cell type and what happens to each cell and the different pathologic processes that are going on in the brain: inflammation, insulin resistance. Um, There's a problem with the brain energy gap. There's a gap between how much energy your brain needs and how much it gets, even if you're cognitively healthy in older people. um, It just gets worse with mild cognitive impairment and much worse with Alzheimer's. So it's almost like a continuum there. So I explain all of that. Um, And then where ketones could fit in to kind of help overcome insulin resistance and fill in this brain energy gap and reduce inflammation, which is what ketones do. Um, But then uh, the first part of the book is really dedicated to um, understanding how um, and and putting it into practice a Mediterranean style whole food ketogenic diet. Um, I explained how it can be adapted. Some people don't realize you can adapt almost any diet to a ketogenic diet. I mean, even a junk food diet could be a ketogenic diet. Sure, not a good idea, but um, so this is a Mediterranean keto. um, And um, uh, there's information about ketone supplements, um, other supplements that I feel Uh, Makes sense that you might not be able to get if you're eating um, like a ketogenic diet. You might be missing certain nutrients. Um, And then um, the I have several chapters on think beyond keto. There are many things that people can do um, to try to prevent Alzheimer's disease and to enjoy healthier brain aging. Um, There are studies now, and they've been presenting this at the Alzheimer's Association that. Like in the US, they believe 40% of cases of Alzheimer's are preventable by making good lifestyle choices. Wow, 40% Yeah, wow. and number one is diet, a healthy diet. Number two is exercise. Um, and then others are controlling high blood pressure, um, treating like evaluating for and treating sleep apnea. Apnea is a well-known cause of dementia. Mm. Um, uh, greater social engagement, keeping your mind uh, active. Um, you know, those types of things. And then, um, then I go into other things, you know, beyond that, um, like uh, certain medications. We talked about how mm, the Alzheimer's drugs try to increase acetylcholine in the brain. Well, there are a whole lot of over-the-counter drugs and prescription drugs that decrease acetylcholine in the brain. They're anticholinergic and they are things like uh, decongestants, antihistamines, certain um, antidepressants. There are a whole lot of medications, things that with bladder control you know and a lot of elderly people are taking several of these you know for the the different symptoms that they're having um and they so if you're taking an old-timer drug to increase acetylcholine but you're taking another drug that will decrease it you're not doing yourself any favors there so i i there's a big there's a section on that um there's a section on certain minerals like um getting iron you need a certain amount of iron, but too much can be very harmful. You sure. know, if you think of rust, you know, it's it's not exactly rust in your brain, but it's a similar process, oxidation, and it can actually uh, be harmful to get too much iron. And same, too much zinc can be very harmful. A lot of people will pop a lot of zinc, you know, different sources, and that can be. You your body you need zinc, your brain needs zinc, but it doesn't. You know, excessive amount isn't good. So. Just a lot of different things like that, you know, that people can do little tweaks and foods that they eat and and other things they take um, that um, could possibly help prevent uh, Alzheimer's or, you know, um uh, cognitive impairment as you get older. So that's what the book is about. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Wow. Very comprehensive and well done. I have to say, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to two books at the end of this year that are coming out at a pretty close to the same time. One mm-hmm. is yours. And the other one is from Dr. Mm-hmm. Chris Palmer, which should be another really amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think everybody in the yeah. low carbohydrate space is really excited about both of those and yours is one. Yeah. And I just have to point yeah. out, like we we're <laughs> we just went 90 minutes in this podcast, nonstop. You're out writing books. You are so aware and alert and and you're just you're crushing it and sharing amazing information Mm -hmm. and if nothing else if nothing else, that should be a good indication for the listeners or people watching that they should adopt this type of a lifestyle. If they want to age mm-hmm. well, like you said, you lost a bunch of weight and were able mm-hmm. to keep it off. You're strong. You yeah. Again, you're very, very smart, able to t- talk and share about all this. Why not just mm-hmm. try this? It's not going to kill you to try. See if you right. feel better. Right. All of those different conditions that you mentioned are, are amazing. And that says nothing for like, mm-hmm. oh, and I don't snack anymore. And my skin cleared up. And I I don't have brain fog mm-hmm. and I don't need a nap at two. There's so many benefits to this way of life. Mm-hmm. And I just, I yeah. hope, I hope that that is yours and Steve's legacy moving mm-hmm. forward. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you used that word. And I think, I think it's thank a you. wonderful way to celebrate his life in a wonderful way, wonderful way to celebrate your amazing research and this message that you're sharing throughout mm-hmm. the world. And I hope mm-hmm. that makes you very proud.
1: It does. Thank, thank you very much. You know, I have like, from the day he started it, I started doing it too for prevention and I, I felt like I did have Greater mental endurance, you know, fairly early on, and and um, I'm 70 now. I'm not like el- elderly, elderly, you know, but um, I feel great, and Crushed you know, it. no prescription medications. My blood pressure is good. My people, even seems perfect, and you know, I, I just, you know, I am feeling it, and um, and I. I want other people to be able to experience the same thing. Wow.
0: I absolutely love Mm -hmm. that. Well, this has been just an amazing and very special conversation. I've been looking forward to chatting with you for a very long time. Dr. Mary Newport, where would you like people to go to find you, connect with you in your work and pick up Mm -hmm. the book?
1: Yeah. Um, so on my website, coconut ketones, and for those who don't know, it's K E T O N E S. There's no Y in ketones. Um, you can look, I have a page for Alzheimer's and dementia. I have a, Page for getting started on the keto diet. There are videos. There's some articles I've written about ketone esters, ketone salts, um, K- K- uh, MCT, and coconut oil mixing it. Um, scientific articles, a whole slew of them related to ketones and the MCT oil studies, and um, you know it's all free printable material. Um, there are links to my books on there. So, um, but my, the books are on Amazon and a whole lot of other book websites. Um, Turner Publishing, uh, they're my publisher. They have a really good price for the book too so you can go directly to their website um but that's how and there is a contact on my website um my sister angela helps with a lot of my emails so your first contact my response might be angela but um if you have particular questions for me it will get to me uh, Uh, so that's how you can reach me
0: that's amazing we'll make sure we link to all of that in the show notes as we said in the introduction that, that website is just a, a treasure trove of amazing educational mm-hmm. resources and such a cool collection of all of the kind of coming together so like I said we'll definitely link thank to you. that in the show notes Dr. Mary Newport again thank mm-hmm. you so very much for all of your research uh, and thank you for taking time to be on our show today mm-hmm. it was such an honor to host you uh,
2: thank
1: you so much Casey I really appreciate your asking me to come on absolutely it was such an honor And
0: this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. As always, thank you so very much for listening to and supporting Boundless Body Radio. It has been such a joy to go on this journey now that it's been two years of doing these episodes and all the amazing conversations that we've had with thought leaders and to be able to share this message around the world with literally hundreds of thousands of people has been so amazing. If you haven't already, please go over to Apple, leave us a rating and review as it's the best way for the show to continue to grow and touch more lives of people out there. I am so excited to announce that we are launching the Boundless Body Radio Premium podcast. This is something that I have been working really hard at for a very long time and something I am very proud of. Now that we have done over 300 episodes, our content can be a little bit overwhelming if you really want to learn about one particular topic and really zero in on that topic. So that is exactly what I have done. I have gone through all of our episodes, taken the very best clips all about one particular topic and put them into long form very informative and concise episodes called the boundless body radio premium podcast that can be found on our brand new Patreon page, which I'm really excited to announce as we have all kinds of different offers there and different tiers. We're including early releases of our show boundless body radio. We typically keep about 15 to 20 episodes scheduled at any given time. So we have options there where you can have early access to those. We are also offering group and one-on-one coaching and also access to these premium podcast episodes, the Boundless body radio premium podcast. We have three that are launching right now, and I will be making a new one every other week. And we believe that we are providing these for a very, very high value. So please check us out on Patreon, check the link in the notes to be able to get there. And thank you as always for listening to boundless body radio.